Hey, I'm Dr. T, and this is That's Totally Normal, a podcast dedicated to explaining what's happening to your body during puberty. On this episode, mental health. So before we start, I'd like to share a few words. On this episode, we'll be talking a lot about the why and the how of adolescent mental health. This is important and pretty darn interesting, but at the end of the day, the most important thing is you. If you find yourself struggling with any mental health issue, talk with an adult that you trust and your doctor. What I hope you learn from this episode is that we know a lot about the ways that our brains function, which means that we often know ways to help make mental health better. Please speak up if you're feeling down. We can help. Now let's get to it. First, what defines mental health? I actually think mental health is a combination of your body image and your self-esteem. Having good mental health is being not happy with yourself, but more content, like you're okay with who you are. In medicine, mental health encompasses a wide range of conditions that describe errors in thought processes and behavior. The big ones that thrive during the teen years are depression, anxiety, social phobias, and attention disorders. 20% of young people in the United States carry a diagnosis of a mental health condition. Those numbers indicate that it is very common for a teen to struggle at some point with their mental health. Many young people may find mental health issues embarrassing, but why is that? Honestly, as a doctor, I'm not really sure. The brain is as much a part of someone's body as the skin or the bones, and it's not usually embarrassing to talk about a cut or a fracture, right? However, society hasn't always made a safe space for us to talk about mental health issues, so I totally understand why you might not want to talk about it, but let's try and change that. Furthermore, what we understand about the human body proves that suffering from a mental health condition is no one's fault. The causes of each individual mental health condition are quite complex, but the fact is that they stem from factors that are far beyond our control, like changes in cell signaling and genetics meaning that they are passed down within families. It's never anything to be ashamed of. Unfortunately, the teenage years are generally the time when mental health conditions start to pop up, which can make an already awkward time of life even more uncomfortable. And this brings us to our question of the episode. Hi, Dr. T. Some days I honestly get super down and I feel horrible about myself. I never used to feel like this. Is this a part of puberty? That is such a good question. There are so many changes that are happening to the brain during puberty and adolescence. As we'll discuss further in a future episode, this is a time during which the part of our brains that regulates emotions is working overtime. And the neurons, or the cells of the brain, are rerouting and solidifying signaling pathways in the brain. What all of this means is that the adolescent brain is super flexible and quickly adjusts in response to things like trauma or pain. For example, We know that teenagers who experience stressful situations, like the death of a family member or changes in home environment, are more susceptible to mental health conditions like depression and anxiety. This is because the stress that these situations cause can impact the way the brain signals and responds. I get stressed a lot. I've always been like a good student, but I'm trying to be as good as possible. Like I've always gotten above average grades and I'm still getting above average grades, but they're not like perfect. So that stresses me out a lot because I'm scared that it's going to matter for high school, which is going to matter for college. Um, so mostly just schoolwork and friends. 
like last year I was in a pretty toxic group of friends in sixth grade because I just left my elementary school friends. I get stressed out when a bunch of my friends are talking in a group and I can't hear what they're saying. So making a comment and trying to join the group conversation might backfire. It's difficult. Homework and tests stress, stress me out. I feel like on top of everything, it's that pressure from school. Here's another way to think about it. Pretend you're designing the road system for a city. After you've drawn out a grid and dug up the dirt in preparation for the cement, a huge downpour happens and creates a lake right in the middle of your city. This is definitely a problem, but thank goodness it happened before you laid the cement. It's much easier to reroute the roads while they're still being developed, rather than once the cement is already laid down. This is the same idea with your brain going through puberty. For better or for worse, your brain is super sensitive to tough events and quickly reroutes its signaling to adapt. This can be a huge benefit for a growing brain to be able to adjust and grow with new experiences, but it can also result in some faulty signaling. So what exactly do I mean by faulty signaling? We should spend a little more time talking about this because it's actually at the heart of medical treatment for many mental health conditions. Neurons are a special name for the cells of the brain and nervous system. They operate by sending signals to other neurons that are right next to them, separated only by a teeny tiny space called a synapse. Ever watch a relay race where one runner passes a baton to the next runner? Well, that's kind of like neuron signaling. Let me explain. Neuron number one tells neuron number two to fire by releasing a signaling molecule called a neurotransmitter into the synapse. This is like runner number one passing the baton to runner number two, and the baton is the neurotransmitter. Once neuron number two detects the neurotransmitter, or once runner number two gets the baton, the next set of reactions is ready to go. But what happens if the baton is way too heavy for runner number two? Or what if there's no baton at all? Then runner number two can't go. This is similar to what happens with disrupted neuron signaling, which can happen when neuron number one either releases too much or too little of a neurotransmitter, which causes changes in neuron number two signaling, which impacts our mood and behavior. And because we know that many mental health conditions are associated with these types of signaling problems, restoring normal levels of neurotransmitters is the aim of most types of medication therapy. For example, the major neurotransmitters that impact anxiety and depression are serotonin, dopamine, GABA, and norepinephrine, though others can also play a role. The majority of anxiety and depression medications promote an increase or a decrease in neurotransmitter concentration within the synapse, restoring normal levels and improving neuron signaling. While medications are an obvious way to treat mental health conditions, counseling and other activities have also been shown to be incredibly beneficial. Counseling works by retraining thought processes and restoring healthy signaling pathways. Think about your street planning and building bridges over that catastrophic lake. Activities that are helpful in boosting neurotransmitter levels are exercise, exposure to natural sunlight, or one of those sun lamps, and eating foods that are rich in the building blocks of neurotransmitters. For example, eggs are rich in tryptophan, which is an amino acid that is essential for creating serotonin. Sometimes when I stress, like, I'll just like take a breather, like maybe make myself a cup of tea or like a cup of coffee. When I'm stressed, I usually either listen to like calming music um, 
I also like to light incense. I have a collection of stuffed animals, and I just kind of like to read in my room surrounded by them or, like, watch YouTube videos. And um, kind of being with myself for a while makes me forget about the stress. But wait, why are we talking about signaling pathways and treatment before we're even talking about the conditions? This is why. In order to view depression and anxiety as more than just a list of symptoms, we need to discuss mental health and brain activity first. Alterations in signaling pathways and changes in neurotransmitter levels are the cause of mental health conditions, not the other way around. So now that we've discussed the cause, let's discuss the effects. One of the most common mental health diagnoses worldwide is depression. In fact, in the US alone, 13% of teenagers between the ages of 12 and 17 report at least one major depression episode every year. That's about one in eight teenagers. Depression is a constellation of symptoms and differs from person to person. However, the main features are sadness, sleep changes, either sleeping too much or having a hard time sleeping, feelings of guilt or worthlessness, loss of energy, difficulty concentrating, appetite changes, excess fidgeting or extremely slow movements, and thoughts of suicide. Remember our neurotransmitter discussion? Low levels of serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine are thought to be the most common causes of depression. The levels of other neurotransmitters can be off as well. Increasing neurotransmitter levels is extremely helpful in treating depression, though it can take time and some medication adjustment to completely restore the normal levels. Another major mental health condition in the teen years is anxiety, with most research finding that one in three teens will be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder at some point during adolescence. There are a variety of anxiety disorders, but the most common diagnosis is generalized anxiety disorder, which is abbreviated GAD. GAD is not exactly what you would think of when you see anxiety portrayed in the movies or on TV. Symptoms include excessive worry the majority of the time, difficulty controlling that worry, restlessness, fatigue, difficulty concentrating, irritability, muscle tension, and difficulty with sleep. Panic attacks, which are often shown in the media, are actually rare with GAD, which just proves not to trust everything you see on TV. Again, serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine, and GABA levels all impact anxiety to varying degrees, so treatment for anxiety and depression are quite similar. There are other types of anxiety, too, that impact many teenagers. The main ones are what we call phobias, or fears. Social anxiety disorder, or fear of being in situations where judgment feels likely to occur, panic disorder, or fear of recurrent panic attacks, specific phobias, or a fear of a specific situation or occurrence, like a fear of heights or a fear of needles, and agoraphobia, which is a fear of situations that might induce a panic attack, like going out in public, are all examples of phobias that affect teenagers. A lot of the time, I'm not scared of something. I'm scared of being scared of it, if that makes sense. Like, I'm kind of scared of my emotions. I just think about, like, the worst things that could ever happen and how it's going to ruin my life. Oh, God. Just walking down the hallways, I feel anxious. One of my biggest insecurities is how I look. 
Um, so like what types of clothes am I wearing? Cause I'm never good at like wearing, picking out outfits. So whenever I go into school, I always like, I'm not wearing like Yeezys or anything. I get really anxious when I'm thinking about like decisions I've made, I, I guess. The last major mental health condition that is gaining in recognition is attention disorders. You've probably heard of ADD or ADHD. ADD, which stands for attention deficit disorder, is the older term. ADHD, which stands for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, is the newer term. It's a diagnosis that encompasses all of the following conditions. One, when a person has a hard time paying attention due to excessive distractibility and wandering thoughts. Two, when a person has a hard time paying attention due to excessive movement and shifting focus too often. And three, when a person has a combination of both situations. The neurotransmitters impacted in ADHD are dopamine and norepinephrine, though variations in signaling pathways themselves are also thought to be a cause of ADHD. Many people can thrive without treatment for ADHD because in some situations, it can be beneficial. Wandering thoughts can actually lead to some deeper reflection and creativity, while distractibility can be helpful when many tasks need attention and completion. However, when these behaviors interfere with schoolwork, chores, or work-related tasks, counseling or treatment may be necessary. Now, we've spent a lot of time here talking about the brain and mental health. But the super interesting thing is that mental health conditions are rarely just mental. They impact physical health as well. Nausea, stomach aches, weight loss, and headaches are just some of the ways that our brain impacts our physical wellness. Just one more reason to ask for help if you or someone you care about is suffering from a mental health condition. Look at all your available resources like friends, family, teachers, and reach out to them because if you tell them that you have you think you have depression or you're going through a tough time they will help you like if, if they truly care about you they will help you and chances are they do care about you um, and you're not alone everyone's almost everyone's going through this which brings us to our final thought and it's an important one mental health conditions don't just affect you they also affect those around you your family and friends your teachers even your pets those who care for you never, ever want to see you suffer. Addressing mental health conditions can be scary or might not even seem worth it, but ignoring them can cause the abnormal brain pathways and neurotransmitter levels to become permanently established. The sooner you reroute those roads or build those bridges, the better you will feel. If you take one thing away from this episode, I hope it's that you understand that mental health is no different than physical health. If you hurt your leg, you would see your doctor or tell your parents, right? I hope after listening to this, you will feel the same way about mental health. We all go through moments in our life when mental health needs help. It's a totally normal feeling, and there's no shame in feeling the way you feel. Please remember to reach out if you need help. There are many free 24-7 mental health services available in the United States. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline crisistextline.org and SAMHSA, or the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, all provide crisis counseling and can help those who need long-term mental health services find local options. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number is 
8255. For crisis text line services, text HOME to 741-741. SAMHSA's National Helpline is 1-800-662-4357. Before we go, I want to thank you for listening to That's Totally Normal. If you ever have any questions for me, submit them via my website, on Seeker's social media, or write to us at that's totally normal at seeker.com. Remember, everything is completely anonymous, which means we won't use your name on the show. However, if you are really concerned about something going on or think you need medical attention, please talk to a doctor, parent, or an adult you feel safe talking to. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to rate it. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I want to thank Noah and Bogey for sharing their thoughts on today's topic. Noah and Bogey are ambassadors for Amaze. Amaze takes the awkward out of sex ed. Real info in fun, animated videos that give you all the answers you actually want to know about sex, your body, and relationships. Visit amaze.org for videos on puberty, sexual orientation, gender identity, healthy relationships, and more. That's Totally Normal is a podcast created by Seeker and Tracks. The show is hosted and written by me, Dr. Tessa Commerce. Emily Feld is our producer. Caroline Roth, Brian Simagala, and Matt Morales are our Seeker producers. Our editor and sound designer is John Ross. Our executive producers are Brett Kushner and Brian Pendergast. Thanks for listening. Support for Tracks comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. This is Tracks from PRX.